Are y'all ready for the word? You know, I, I, I can't sing, but I love to worship. Amen. Amen. I mean, the teens won't let me in their group. The men won't let me leave, but I love to worship. I do anybody else. Bless the Lord. I feel so much better. I had to get it out. I know Bishop sings, but I just, man, that, it makes preaching easier. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Man, God is so awesome. And he's so faithful. He is so faithful. I feel like the victory is already won. Amen. Verse 15 says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, Lovest thou me more than these? That's a question. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. He saith to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. And once again, I give honor to Bishop and First Lady. You may have your seats. And I absolutely give honor to my wife, my helpmeet, who's suitable and adaptable for me, nobody else but me. God created her for me, and I thank God for her and all her support, and even my family, amen. But if you give me a few minutes, I'm just going to talk to you from the subject, the audacity to love. The audacity, the audacity to love. And, and when I looked up audacity, there's many synonyms that go with audacity, uh, boldness, courage, fearlessness, bravery, daring, and nerve. You got to have the nerve. Tell your neighbor, you got to have the nerve to love. You got to have the nerve to love. Amen. Sometimes the world will look at us and some of the love that we show to people that do us wrong, according to the word, God said that we should bless our enemies. And, you know, they, the, the world will look at you and say, you mean you got the nerve to love? You got the nerve to, to bless that person? Amen. I want to highlight that this passage of scripture that we're reading here is, is often referred to as Peter's threefold commission. Amen. He, was, he, was, he, he committed and he confessed three times that he loved Jesus. But his threefold, Jesus' threefold interrogation of his love must also be noted. So here it is. Peter made a confession three times, God, that Jesus, that I love you. But every time that he came back, that Peter came back and said, Jesus, you know I love you. Jesus interrogated his declaration three times. Somebody say three times. Jesus began his interrogation with the question of whether Peter loves him more than the other disciples, the other apostles. He states, lovest thou me more than these? He said, you know, Peter, do you love me more than the rest of them? And Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you. But that's not really the question that Jesus asked him. Jesus asked him, 
do you love me more than the rest of these? But Peter said, God, you, Jesus, you, you know that I love you. Then Jesus asked him again, lovest thou me, Peter? Peter responded with, yea, Lord, you, I told you, you, I told you the first time, you, you know that I, that I love you. It must be noted that the first two questions by Jesus distinctly used the love with the intent of agape love. The first two questions that Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you love me more than these, which signifies an agape type of love? Amen. He said, do you love me more than any of these other people? Unconditionally, Peter, I, I want to know, do you love me unconditionally? And, and Peter said, he responded with a phileo type of love. He said, God, you know I love you like a brother. So Jesus asked him again. He said, with the agape love intent, he said, uh, uh, Elder Davis, do you love me unconditionally? And then many times we respond with, Jesus, you know I love you. You know I love you, Jesus. We respond to God with a phileo type of love, but then Jesus asked him the third time, but Jesus changed his question, and he changed the, the, the type of love that he was asking about. He said, do you love me with a phileo type of love? And Peter responded. Peter was offended. It says in the word that Peter became offended at this point in time, and Peter said, love, Peter said Lord, thou knowest all things. He said, thou knowest that I love thee. If I can remind you that this is the same Peter that, that Jesus spoke to and said that you will deny me three times, Peter. And this is the same Peter that said, God, even though everybody will leave you, I'm going to roll with you. This is the same Peter that, that declared back then that I have an agape type of love for you, God. Though everybody will um, forsake you, I will be with you. And God, the, 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 the Jesus, the, the all-knowing God, said, you're going to deny me three times. In spite of all your confession, saying that you love me more than everybody else, God said that you're going to deny me three times. So here it is, Peter, in, in chapter, in verse 17, is saying he become grieved because he understands that God is an all-knowing type of God. And he understand that God is, is flexing his omniscience and om, omnipotence right here in this question. He's saying, look, you said it two times, Peter. Now, I'm going to ask you again. Do you love me with an unconditional type of love? And Peter said, God, you know everything. I, I can only imagine that Peter must understand that when he said that, God, you know everything, that something must have been going on in Peter. And he must have understood that God saw his heart. And he, he might have saw something again. Somebody say again. God might have saw something again in Peter that caused Peter to say, well, God, I told you that I love you, but maybe you see something in me again. Maybe you see something in me again because I failed before and here I am now and, and back in right standing and communion with you. But I'm kind of hesitant to say that I love you with an agape type of love like I said before because I missed the mark before. Has anybody ever been in a situation where you have declared that you love God with an unconditional type of love, but a situation hit your life that made it change and downgrade to a phileo type of love? How many of you know that we see on the news, we see on the news on an everyday basis, 
You can watch the morning news and you'll see children killing their mother and father. You'll see teenagers and men and women killing their brothers. Can I tell you that it's not enough to love God with a brotherly type of love anymore? Because a brotherly type of love doesn't mean that you love unconditionally. You can kill your brother. You can turn away. Many of us don't even talk to our brotherly, our family right now. But we're, we're telling God that I love you with the same type of love, God, that I love my brother. God is saying, that's not the type of love that I'm looking for. Look, many of us don't go to the family reunions now because you can't stand somebody. But we're saying, God, I love you like I love my brother. God, I love you like I love my father. But you haven't talked to your father in years. We're saying, God, I love you like I love my mother. But you smacked your mother. You stole from your mother. You won't even talk to your mother. But we're saying, God, this is the type of love that I love you with. See, the, the thing about agape love, and, and we, use, we use love so, so loosely now. I love to travel. Pastor Paul, I love that tie, boy. That thing is sharp. I love my dog like a child. You know, we, I love my car. I take care of my car. And we equate, many of us have our own definition of love, and we begin to attach that because we feel comfortable saying that I love my dog. You know, I had a dog named Bonbon, an English bulldog. Loved that dog. English bulldog. Loved it. Part of our family. But I came home one day from work, and the dog was licking my furniture. And when I sat down in the chair and I pulled the recliner back, the, my calves were soaking wet from the dog licking the furniture. So one day I came home, and I saw the dog licking the furniture, and the dog looked at me and was like, uh-oh. And I looked at him like, you about to go. So I packed up the dog, and as I was going up the hill, kennel and everything, put it in the car. I love this dog, y'all. But I put it in the car, took it up to the kennel, and as I was going up the hill, my wife and my son were coming down the hill. And I knew I had to get to that kennel fast because my wife and my kids, they loved that dog too, but maybe with a different type of love than I loved it. So I made it to the kennel, and by the time I said, thank you, ma'am, I turned, and my wife was standing there. And she was asking me, what are you doing? And I said, look, that dog was licking the furniture, and I'm not tolerating that. But here it is. I said that I love that dog. Are y'all seeing how we have a definition that we attach to God and things? But God said that there's a supernatural love. See, agape love cannot be equated to the type of love that we keep saying that we have for God. Here it is. God asked three times. Many of us, God has asked over and over again, do you love me? And then God will put you in a situation to show your unconditional love. God will say, I need you to minister here, or I need you to do that, or I need you to trust me to enough to stand here even though you don't like it. And we'll say, well, God, I'm not willing to do that. But we continue to say that I love God, but we treat our brothers and sisters any old kind of way. The Bible says that if you love me, you got to esteem your brothers and sisters even higher than yourself. But we continue to treat each other and the people that are out there with a phileo type of love. We turn in our backs. See, the thing that changes us from being mediocre, mediocre to great is agape love. 
I said the thing that changes a ministry from being mediocre to great is an agape love, an unconditional type of love that when people come in, we don't look at them crazy. When they step on our foot in praise and worship because their sway is to the right when they're supposed to be going to the left, we ain't fired up about it. We ain't trying to switch seats in the middle of service. Why? Because we understand that in the midst of it all, I know that you love God. In the midst of it all, I, I know that you didn't mean to hurt me. I, I know that you didn't mean to, to do anything against me. I know that you didn't mean to. Why? Because I know that your worship is for real. I know that you love God. Can, can I tell you that when Peter denied Christ, I'm not so sure that it was his faith in God that failed him, more so than it was his courage in God that failed him. Can I tell you that, that many times we begin to look at people as they go through challenges in their life, and we begin to look at them, and we begin to question their faith. But can I tell you that I often wonder if it's more so their courage that failed. I'll talk about me. It's, I've, I've done some things. I've made some wrong decisions. It wasn't that I didn't believe in God, but maybe my courage to stand or my, my pure love for God wasn't where it was supposed to be. The Bible says this. Perfect love does what? Cast out fear. Perfect, not faith. Perfect love cast out fear. Perfect love, agape love, cast out fear. When Peter denied Jesus Christ, and, and here is, here is it, it all coming together. When Peter denied Jesus Christ, he didn't have the courage to stand when he was questioned whether he was with him or not. Many of us don't have the courage to stand in our situation when people are antagonizing us, saying, you know, well, should you be here? Many of us take a way of escape. Because our courage, our love for God, hasn't cast out that fear. Perfect love. If, if I love God, and I understand that it's a supernatural type of love. And let me explain something to you. God's love was perfect. Right? Can we agree with that? So much so that he created us and he desired to have a relationship with us, right? And he knew that since Adam's fall that we were destined never to have a relationship with him again. So here it is, a sovereign God with a, with a supernatural type of love set high and looked no, look low at a people that were forever separated from him because of sin. And then he said, no, in the midst of all of that, I still desire to have a relationship with them. So he sent his only begotten son, his only son, somebody say only. He sent his only son to die for a people that did not care about him. God had the audacity. Somebody say audacity. He had the audacity to love you when you were in your sin. Don't you understand that God's love, the love that he showed God still doesn't change his mind. He know what you did yesterday. He know the thoughts that you had. He know what you did before. He know what you're dealing with right now that you don't want to separate yourself from. But God never, son, never said, I'm going to take my son back. In the midst of it all, because God has an unconditional type of love, he said, I'm not going to change my mind. I still want to have a relationship with you. He said, I still. He has the audacity to say, even now, when we are loving him with a brotherly type of love, he said, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to change my mind. My love towards you is still unconditional. 
my love to, I know you don't love me all the way and your actions show it because the Bible says if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The Bible says that if you're going to have an agape type of love, the way you communicate that to me is to have courage. Somebody say courage. When you normally would fear. He said, look, you can make your mouth say anything. You can say that you love me, but the way that I will understand whether you love me is whether you would have, somebody say, courage. Many of us are on the ropes right now because we don't have the courage. The courage, not faith. Because you can believe God. You can come to church. You can believe God, but not so much have the courage to do what God is asking you to do to stand to love your brother. You know, see, everybody is not ready to receive or positioned to receive agape type of love in the natural. Many of us have been hurt, right? We've been hurt by people that's close to us. You know, we've been, we've, we've had the courage, we got up enough courage and we've, we've done things and we've been rejected and we've been damaged, our heart is still hurt. So now when you try to show agape type of love, it's hard for them to receive it because a wall is up, right? Because I, I've been hurt. I, I understand what you're trying to do, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to receive that because the last time that I loved all out, that person hurt me. So I'm not sure that if I'm ready to receive what you're trying to give me. Amen? But this is... This is the thing that God wants you to do. He still wants you to have the audacity, somebody say audacity, to love him anyway. You got to love past the rejection that you're feeling. You got to love past the pushback. Why? Because God still loves you when you push it back against him. God still does it. He say, look, if, if you're going to be identified and if you're going to make a change in this community, it's going to have to be from a type of love that they're not used to. We got to stop loving a brotherly type of way and thinking that it's all right. We can't do it. Look, what, what, what difference are we if we love our brothers and sisters that only love us back? Isn't that what the word says? He said, what, what difference are you making if you just love the people that love you? He said, even the world does that. Even the world loves their mother. Even the world loves their sisters and brothers. Even the world loves the people that go to their church. But what, look, the difference is, is that when you love people that don't have your best intentions in mind, when you love that boss that can't stand you and keep trying to, trying to, trying to get rid of you, when you love that person that keep rejecting you and they don't want to come to dinner, no matter how much you offer them, no matter how many ways you offer them, they, they don't want to be around you. God still says, if you really want to be known as a child of God, you have to love in a supernatural type of way. Supernatural. See, many of us are too content because we get the kudos of the world. We say, man, y'all church, man, that, that's, it's awesome what y'all do. Y'all bought them food, the world will do that. Don't you know there's soup kitchens ran by the world? Don't you know that there's recovery programs ran by the world? But God says that I've loved you 
with a, with a supernatural type of love. And this is the type of love that covers a multitude. See, one thing that the world can't do and a phileo type of love can't do is be consistent. Somebody say consistent. See, an agape type of love like Jesus shows to us is consistently running you down. Even when you're doing them wrong, he's consistently running you down saying that I still want to have a relationship with you. Don't turn your back on me. I'm, I'm still going to be there. When you turn around, don't you walk away from me because when you turn, I'm still going to be there. But the world will say, oh, you turn, you, oh, that's how you're going to do me? That's, that's how you're going to do me? I, I know I heard, so that, this is the end? Are we saying this is the end? But the world, the, 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 the love of God, is still running you down every day you take a breath. The love of God is still there when you turn your back. That's the agape consistent type of love. The agape love is, yeah, we tell our children, you need to do this. You need to do this. Well, I ain't telling you no more, but God doesn't do that. In the midst of your junk, when you lay down at night, God still says, I'm still talking to you. I, I, I know you, you did your own thing, but my plan hasn't changed. I need you to, if you just do it this way, you'll see me. We stop talking to each other. Husband and wives will go to a different room. Won't, won't they do it? Amen? We got, we, got, we got husband and wives now. You know, rather, you know, you could downsize. You know, my wife and I, we joke. And I say, yeah, when TJ leaves, we downsize to a, to a one-bedroom condo. My wife like, no, nah, we got to have at least two. I'm thinking that's probably so she can. Yeah, that, that's how we do. When I snore, she can go to the other room. When I, we, we don't do that now, but I'm saying pe people do that. My grandmother built an entire addition onto her home so she can get away from, her, from, from my grandfather. And it was big. He was staying in a closet. And it was, but isn't that how we do? Amen. I mean, it's funny, but I just want to make it clear that that Jesus Christ's love, he, man, he has the audacity to love us. I mean, he's not fearful about it. He has, he's courageous. His love is constantly pursuing us. That's the type of love we have to have. If we're going to be the light, if we're going to change, we got to come up to a, look, to a supernatural. Somebody say Supernatural. You don't have the ability to love like this by yourself. Look, check this out. So much so that he said that I'm not going to leave you by yourself, but I'm going to put the capacity in you. Somebody say capacity. It's called the Holy Spirit. Why do you have it? So that you can love beyond your boundaries. You cannot do it. Why do you need to worship? Why do you need to come to, to Sunday? Why do you need to come to, to, to Wednesday? So that you can continue to feed your spirit so that it will be stronger than your natural desires because in your best day, in your flesh, you can't love God's way. You can tell. You can tell when somebody, you can tell when we, aren't worshiping and when we aren't communing with God the way we're supposed to. Why? Because your love will, will take a step down like Peter's. One minute, well, first lady, I love you with the love of God and, you know, boy, I, I do. I, you ask me to do anything, first lady call you midnight. 
um, do you need that now? First lady, like, I just need you to do that. Well, I mean, can, can it wait till tomorrow? Well, I mean, I really need you to do this, and you can help me, and it will really be. Um, so, I mean, are you prioritizing your day right? Because you should have more. Should you really call me this late? Won't, won't we do it? Okay, not y'all. Y'all don't do that. But a, a unconditional, unconditional. Somebody say unconditional. You got to understand what, what Jesus was doing with Peter. Once again, he, 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 Peter downgraded. Once he understood that God was, was omniscient, he began to downgrade what he had been saying that his love truly was. Peter began to downgrade himself because he said, you know, well, well God, maybe, maybe, just maybe, I, I, maybe you know something that, that, that I don't know. But if we're going to make a change in this society, we have to love with a grace-based love. Somebody say grace. Grace-based love creates an audacious and supernatural display of God's love. Grace-based love reminds you that God had the audacity to die for your sins knowing that you did not love him in the beginning. See, God saved me when I didn't care anything about him. I did not even have the intentions of being saved when I went to church. I went to church to shut somebody's mouth up that kept inviting me to church. But God's love arrested me. What? Okay, what do you mean arrested? That's such a spiritual term. Okay, I'm glad you asked. God's word, God's love fit this little place in my heart that I kept guarding. Because I kept a wall up. I never let anybody in. I was a pretty mean-spirited type person. Kind of passive-aggressive. Seemed like I like you, but I really didn't. I cut you when I had a chance. But So there was a wall in this little portion of my heart that I had shut off. I had no problem showing phileo type of love. But I didn't really understand what a godly love felt like until I went to church to shut somebody up. I went to church to shut somebody up, and the pastor began to speak, and God's word just began to dwindle down and tear down that little, that little thing that was guarding this hole. And God said, every last one of your hearts, every last one of y'all, is a special place that only God fits. And this day, God decided, God decided to take up residence in my heart in this little place that he had. See, when you begin to introduce the love of God to somebody and he begins to get into that spot in their heart that, that nobody or nothing else can feel, they will know that God is real. But the only thing that fits in there is God. It's not Nothing else fits in that spot except God. That's how you know when somebody's life is changed. You can, you can almost see it. When God begins to break through and, and fit in that spot, you'll see their countenance change. Am I right? Has it happened to anybody? When God hit that spot? And get, guess what? God will constantly clean that spot out. He'll say, no, nah, you put something in there that, that won't supposed to be there. So now I got to clean. Every Sunday, God is willing to clean out the spot because we'll try to fill his spot with so much other stuff that God say, no, I need to, I, I'm supposed to be in there. You begin to see people's lives when, when, when they are not constantly being cleaned out by God and being full and nurturing the Holy Spirit in their life you'll begin to see un un um, unforgiveness be strong. 
you'll begin to see walls be strong. You'll begin to see people pull back. Why? Because I don't want you. I, no, I, I just need a wall up because I have trusted before and I've been hurt. And how many of you know that you can only be hurt real bad by people that you trust real good? Isn't that right? I mean, you only could be hurt real bad by people that you let real close. Real close. And the worst thing, the, the, the hardest job that we have as Christians, as believers, as lovers of God, because guess what, y'all? Unity is for lovers. That's a plug. That's a t-shirt at least. But unity is for lovers. Lovers of God, right? So when I come in contact with a person that has been hurt by somebody that's been real close to them, the hardest thing to do is to climb up or get over that wall. But how many of you know that God's love will bust through that wall? It will absolutely bust through that wall. And it's, no, it's of no effort from you is the Holy Spirit. You, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit because none of us know exactly what to say. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable to be in a place where you're talking to somebody that's really been hurt real bad. It's, isn't it uncomfortable sometimes? And, and for me, I, I just begin to pray that God will give me the wisdom because only God knows how to get into his spot. Only God knows how to do that. You gotta have the Holy Spirit and be led. You gotta have the audacity. You gotta say, no, I, God, I am available. Somebody say available. I'm not saying that you, when you say you're available, look, don't get it twisted. It's not saying that you saying that you know everything. It's saying that God, because I worship you and because I love you myself and because I have received your love and, and I understand how it can change my life, I'm now available to minister to this person that's been hurt so bad. But, but God, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. I'm here. Sometimes you just need to be available. And, and stop not letting yourself be available because you're scared that you don't know what to say. If people's lives are going to be changed, it's going to be changed by God's love. Are y'all with me? You give me a few more minutes, amen? Grace-based love, grace-based love reminds you that even when you trespassed against him, he forgave you. Grace-based love reminds you that even when, when he had every right to give up on you, he stayed faithful to his word, saying that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's certain things that we've done that if God loved us the way we love him, he had every right to walk out on you. But grace-based love, you know, when you remind yourself of the grace that you receive, it will continue to allow you to minister to somebody else. Amen? Grace-based love reminds you that even when he had every right, every right to give up, he stayed faithful. Grace-based love reminds you that even when knowing, when, when knowingly, when you knowingly did things that hurt his heart and denied his existence, he still whispered in your ear at night to let you know that he still wanted to be there for you. I said even when you knowingly did something wrong that you know would hurt his heart, he still took the time to minister to you at night. Won't he do it? 
Won't he still speak to you even and will make you feel like Peter where you feel like, like something is wrong, God? You, because I know that you know what I just did, but you still want to talk to me? You still want to talk knowing that I just did that and I, and I knew it was going to hurt you? You still, you still want to talk to me, God? Grace-based love reminds you that even though what they're saying is true. I said, even though what people are saying about you is true, he still covers you. All your critics aren't liars. I said, all your critics are not liars. All the people that's been telling you that you're just a mean-spirited type of person or, or that you did this, the fact remains that there are people out there that know some truth about you. I said, all your critics aren't liars, but the thing about God is that he'll cover you. He'll cover you. Or Look, he, he won't even allow them to know the whole story. It's, it's parts, you know, that, you know, when we get together at the marriage ministry and at the, the singles and the men, we begin to share some things, but we only share enough. You know, that, that we feel we've been healed from or we don't want to, to share everything. But how many of you know that God knows what's after the period? He knows what, 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 where you stop, God still knows the rest of the story. You know, you're only willing to share so much, but God still knows the story after the period. He still knows it. And guess what? Agape, supernatural love still says that I love you. Grace-based loves that reminds you, amen, it reminds you that even that, that you may be doing the same thing that the person you won't love. Well, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Sometimes we choose not to show unconditional love to people that are doing something, but, but grace-based love is in the back of your mind saying, I'm doing the same thing to somebody else. There was a story. In the Bible where it talks about a, a rich man, right, who wouldn't forgive, you know, he wouldn't forgive the debt that somebody else owed him. He wanted that person killed. And God had to come in a, a parable to remind him, yeah, so that you are doing the same thing. What if I did that to you? Grace-based love reminds you that it's only God's unconditional love that's covering you from your private going public unconditional somebody say unconditional what matter of love is this what matter of love are we talking about again we're talking about the love of a God that sits high and understand everything and in the midst of it all he still chases after you that's the type of love I'm talking about a never failing love that's the type of love. When you measure your love right now, that, you know, if God were to ask you the question, if he was to interrogate you right now with the question saying, Lillian, because he knows you by first name, do, do you love me more than these? And I know all of us would respond, God, I love you. But the question is, what definition of love are we talking about? When we stand here from the pulpit to the back pew and we say, God, I, you, I, love, but I love to see Elder Fraser. I love to see Elder Martin every, every Sunday, every time we get together. I, Evangelist Zadie, I just love to see you. What, what type of love are you talking about? 
Exactly. Right? The Bible says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. But what type of love are you really talking about when you say, Pastor T, I love you? What type of love? Are, is it that brotherly love that, like, the you not going to the family reunion type of love? Because I need you to love me with the unconditional type of love. Amen? If we're going to be great in Christ, the thing that's going to separate us is unconditional love. If this ministry is going to change this community, if this, com if this ministry is going to change those that are in jail, it's going to be with the unconditional love that's beyond your natural capacity to do it. You're going to need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen? I mean, it's, it seems kind of elementary when we talk about Christendom, but it's, it's so overlooked. You need to be in your word outside of Sunday and Wednesday. You need to talk to God. Don't be intimidated when I say you need to worship. Worship is just letting God know who he is and that you recognize what he's done in your life and then start there and then begin to wait to see what God has to say to you. The reason you're here today breathing is that God wants to use you to impact somebody else's life. Can y'all receive that? Today is not about you receiving natural things, but if that's what's needed, God will account those to your life to minister. Somebody say minister. To somebody else. Unconditional love. Unconditional. Forgiveness is all in that. Unconditional love. Somebody say unconditional. Amen. And, and I'm bringing this to a close. You know, there are many things about God that we have that we don't resemble at all. God is omnipotent. Right? We don't resemble that at all. All powerful. God is all powerful. God alone is sovereign. We don't resemble that at all. Right? On our best day we're not all powerful. God is omniscient. Right? He's omniscient. We don't resemble that at all. God is omnipresent. Right? That's what makes him God. He's in all places at all times. We don't resemble that at all. But there's one thing that God asks us and has given us the ability to resemble him in. And that's his love. Isn't that awesome? It's so simple. He said, I know you're not in all places at all times. I know you're not all-knowing and all-powerful, but you can love my kind of way, and that's the very foundation of what I need you to be in this earth. Love. Godly-type love. He's not asking you to be, be all these other things. He's just asking you to love, and that's going to be the thing that changed somebody else's life. Are y'all with me? Amen. God desires for us to love. God desires us to love. Amen? And love gives sacrificially. Sacrificially. Love gives. Agape love gives sacrificially. God is love and is committed to the well-being of another. You know, 
one thing I didn't do at the beginning of this, this message is to, to kind of give you the, the question of the day. And it's simply, how can I help you be who God wants you to be? That's a good question to ask yourself when you are in the church. Look at your neighbor and ask them, how can I help you be who God wants you to be? Look at somebody else and ask them, how can I help you be what God wants you to be? This is the awesome thing about, this is the foundation of godly love. It's because sometimes you got to be sacrificial about that because you want that person to be successful in God. Right? You, you want that person to be successful in God. So our thing is, the, how I understand that God carved you out and he allowed you to be here, be the unique you. And there's a unique thing that God wants you to be. My question now that we are fitly joined together as a ministry, how can I help you be that? How can I? Is there anything that I can do to help you be the unique you? Not to mold you into being who I am, but I, I, the love that's in me wants you to be exactly who God wants you to be. How many of you know that works for a sinner too? Because the question is, look, you might not understand what God wants you to be, but I understand that there's a plan. How can I help you be who God wants you to be? That's an unconditional type statement right there because you're, you're looking past their hurts, their ha habits, and hangups. You're saying in the midst of your sin, I'm not worried about your high blood pressure when your leg is cut off. I said, I'm not worried about your high blood pressure when you're sitting there with a sucking chest wound. I'm not worried about how you dress when I know you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But how can I get you? What, what do you need? I know you've been hurt, but how can I help you understand that God loves you? Many times we get, we, we trying to get people medicine for high blood pressure when they got a sucking chest wound. We're trying to fix the high blood pressure when they have never known Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And people don't want to come into the church. Why? Because we're looking at the outward appearance. But God looks on the inside and the heart of a man. And this is the thing about God's love. God will show you when a person needs love on the inside. Their clothes can be tore up from the floor up. Their conversation cannot be godly. But when you have a discernment from God and the love of God, it would allow you to look past that and say, how can I introduce you to a God that loves you in spite of it all? In spite of it all, how can I get you? How can I get God? That, that should be your prayer when we, when we come into to, to, to contact with people. God, how can I get you in that, in your spot in their life? How? On our jobs, many of us are on our jobs for an assignment, and God said your assignment is to, when I show you that person, I need to get into that spot, my spot. Somebody say audacity to love. Amen. Jesus Christ, and I'm closing. Jesus Christ had the audacity. He had the boldness. He had the courage. He had the fearlessness 
He had the bravery. He, had, he was daring. He had the absolute nerve to go to the cross in the name of love. But in the face of rejection, in the face of hurt, Jesus Christ went to the cross in the face of being let down by those closest to him. Jesus Christ went to the cross in the name of love in the face of friends turning against him. Jesus Christ went to the cross in the name of love, in the face of being lied on, in the face of being physically abused, in the face of Satan trying to play mental games with him, in the face of being misrepresented. Jesus Christ went to the cross in the name of love. Why? Because he was compelled to defeating the enemy through love. It was this love that is helping you know who you need to be in God. Jesus Christ went to the cross in the face of all those things. Why? Because he loved us. He loved us. He loved us. We're standing all over the building. You got to have the audacity. The audacity. You got to have the absolute audacity. You got to have the nerve. Tell your neighbor, you got to get the nerve to love God's kind of way. It's supernatural, y'all. It's supernatural. It's no longer us saying that, that we love each other with a brotherly or sisterly like type of love. You need God to love the kind of way that he's asking you to love. You need God to love past your own hurts. I said, you need God to love over top of the wall. Over top of the wall that we put up past your old rejections. You need God to love outside of your own boundaries. If we're going to do it God's kind of way, you're going to need God. The thing that's going to that's going to present you in the face of men and women as a strong man and woman of God is your love. It's not how many chairs you can set up. It's not how, how, how much you, you do in the church. It is the love that you show. It's not about the works that you do. It's the love that you show that goes far beyond what you have the right to do. Because the world will tell you, you got the right. You, you got every reason not to, 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 to show up. You got every reason not to. The way they treated you, Evangelist Strickland, there's no way. You got every right. To go somewhere else. You got every right not to not to give them a dollar when they need a dollar. But God says, in spite of it all, God's love said, look, I'm not even look, I'm not doing this because I know that if I give you a dollar, you can give me five later on. God's love is in spite whether you give me love back or not, I'm still gonna love you. Many times we do things for people when we know they have the ability to do it back to us. Y'all ain't saying nothing. We do things wholeheartedly for people because when we think they have the capacity to help us back later on down the line, we'll do it. But Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Jesus does things for you even though you can't repay him not one thing. Look, that's the supernatural part. You got to love knowing that, look, even though you have no intent on loving me back, I'm still going to do it. Whew. Can you imagine how communities will be changed? Can you imagine how marriages will be changed? 
Can you imagine, can you imagine how singles with broken hearts can be changed when you begin to show love with this thought in your mind, even though you might not have the capacity or the intent of loving me? I got to. Because I got to get God into that spot. Because if we're going to be who God wants us to be, God got to be in that spot in your heart, sis. God got to be in his spot in your heart, bro. If he's, if, if we're going to be together in, as a body, and if we're going to be the light, God got to get in that spot in your heart, elder. God got, look, if we're going to do this, and if we're going to truly be unified, Sister Janelle, God got to be in his spot in your life. He got to be fully overflowing in his spot in your life. This is what makes loving easy right here. We talk about over, overflowing, being overflowing in the Holy Spirit. Many of us don't want to pour out because we, we, we act like it's our last. Spiritually. Many of us hold on because we've been hurt and we're trying to, we're trying to hold on ourselves for I'm not sure if I have enough of God to pour out in you. But here's the overflowing love. That when you are overflowing and you're constantly before God, you will begin to overflow. And the overflow is I'm full and I will allow you to consume some of what's left. I'm not lacking and you're being fed. Can y'all see that's what overflow is? I, we we got to stop. We... we Man, we got to really pursue after God's love. We got to pursue after God's love. We got to pursue after God's love. Supernatural. Somebody say supernatural. Amen. Supernatural. Supernatural. Anybody desire to have that, that supernatural loving past hurts, loving past pain, Anybody desire to be able to do that consistently? Anybody. I desire that. I desire that for each and every one of you guys. I desire that for me too. I want to consistently be able to love past rejection, love, love past hurt, love past my own understanding because sometimes God will compel you to show love to somebody and you don't even understand why. You don't even understand. You know, it doesn't even make sense why God is compelling you. He's tugging on your heart to do this one thing. And you're like, God, this doesn't even add up. This is not even going to make a change. And God's saying, look, you don't even understand. You don't even understand the end. But if you just do this, just this small thing. Somebody say courage. I pray for every last one of you. Not for your faith. I pray for your courage. I pray for your courage just to be obedient to showing God's love in a supernatural type of way. Even when it seems like you could be hurt. I'm praying even right now and as the Lord puts on your heart y'all can go ahead and minister but right now I'm praying that God will give you the courage to love in a supernatural way 
even though if you do it, people will say you'll look foolish. Supernatural. I'm, I'm praying. I, boy, I'm telling you, the spirit is moving right now. I'm praying that you guys have the courage that we, we, we have the courage to love even if it means that people might look at you different. I'm praying that that you are willing to love God's kind of way even if it might impact your image. Your image. Your image. Your image. Because understand this. Understand this. God woke you up now. If you're saved, if you're saved right now, heaven is not a question of whether you're going to make it to heaven. So why are you here? Why is God keeping you around? If you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and he is the, the leader of your life, why did God wake you up now? Why are you here right now? I'll tell you why. Because he needs you to be his extension. He said, no, I know you got me. You have me. You've received me. But now I need to send you out. Not to be omnipotent. Not to be omniscient. Not to be all-knowing all these things. But I need you to be a symbol of my, a reflection of my love. You're not here. Listen, listen. You're, you're not here to collect things now. You're not here to collect things. You're here to be an example of God's love in the earth. You're not here to get that promotion. You're not here to get that house. You're not here to get the finest clothes. But check this out. If it so happens that God needs you to have those things to minister love, you'll have it. You'll have it. You'll have it. You got to understand that now, right now, if you have Jesus Christ and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, he said that he has drawn you out of the darkness into the light. Now you have received the light. Now I'm going to send you back out into the darkness to be the light. So well, what does that mean? Boy, I'm trying to pull on y'all. I'm, I'm really trying to pull on y'all to understand this. Some of the situations going to seem dark that you're in. But it's the light of his love that will illuminate the place. Some, look, oh, man, we wonder why, God, why, why me? Why am I being here? He say, look, because you have the light of my Holy Spirit. And I place you in the dark. Because the minute you let my love shine, darkness has to go. Look, the minute you begin to show the love of God, darkness has to flee. That's why you. That's why you. That's why you. That's why you. Look at your neighbor and say, turn the light on. 
turn the light on. That's why you. That's because your, your light is so powerful in God. Your love is so powerful in God. It can change situations because God's light in you is so powerful. That's why you. That's why you had to go through that stuff. That's why you're still there. It seems like dark, but tell your neighbor again, just turn the light on.